63 points. Not 50. Not 65. 73 points in an NBA. I was going to say NBA basketball game, but that's redundant. Either way, welcome back to the Domcast. This is the fourth episode of the season. We are here recording on December 5th. Some games going on right now. So I'm recording a little bit earlier than I did last week. I know I said I was going to wait until the very end, but the NBA just decided fuck all with the schedule this week. They, I'm pretty sure the most entertaining thing I saw was Cavs Jazz. And it's, it, it really did pan out. Just watch that whole game. It was amazing. I believe in Darius Garland slash Jared Allen slash Evan Mobley. Supremacy for the future and a LeBron James Farrell World Tour in Cleveland, but you know, we'll talk about that later. I don't know if we have you know much Cavs talk today, but uh, we do have, it's going to be a little bit different because I just don't have that much I'm happy about. I'm sitting here looking at my sheet, and there's literally three things written down here, and I think I'm going to blow through them. I have way more that I'm unhappy, but really the biggest chunk is in surprising and interesting. So it's like that meme where the lady was telling the old guy to smile, she said a smile would be nice. He said, there's nothing to smile about in my life. There's nothing, there's nothing to really smile about this week. There is, but I don't know. For whatever reason, just not that many things made it. Well, if you made it, I appreciate you. Whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, those links are in the comment section and description. Uh, I did put time markers in the comment section and description last week, too. Hopefully, it'll be the same way. It was a painstaking process, but, um, you know, I did the best I could. And it was probably a couple of seconds off. See if I can alleviate that this week. Either way, let's go ahead and get started, because this should be another long one. Let's, uh... Hmm. Excuse me. It, it was a long night last night, so it might be kind of difficult to hammer out a two-hour podcast today. Let's start. Let's just go ahead and start with happy. Let's just go ahead and knock it out. I said I was going to change from week to week, but we'll go ahead with happy. Uh, happy number one. We're actually going to start with Giannis here. We're going to start with Giannis versus the Hornets, which I believe was his the last game that he played there. He has a right calf injury, which is never encouraging but we'll see the bucks have just been dealing with injuries the entire year we got the news on lopez which i'll be talking about later that is not in this section i just had a very specific thing that i wanted to talk about because Giannis dominated that game Giannis had like but it was another stupid will chamberlain stat line it was definitely 40 something points and as soon there we go yeah <laughs> 40 12 and 9 against the hornets and it makes sense it's gotten worse since then when they played the Hornets, they still had a functioning NBA roster. Now they've lost four. They got three starters, I believe, and an overall four rotation pieces to COVID. That's, yeah, COVID is dropping 50 these days. Omicron, Omicron, Unicron, whatever it's called. It is uh, here, and uh, that's making the NBA tighten up, and they're basically saying everybody needs to go get their booster because of the studies they did and now if you don't have your booster i believe the rule i saw was you're gonna have to do go back to the game day testing which you can miss a game i assume if you didn't do your testing like chris Epps did that one time so fun stuff going on there in our third covid season but um as it pertains to Giannis, let's just rewind the clock like the game is happening that day so everyone's healthy except mason plumley was not there so the hornets have been struggling we've already said this year they need a legitimate big to take that team to the next level 
Mason Plumlee is not the big that's going to get them there, but also he's he's pretty much some of their only real size down there, too. So he was missing, and that left the likes of a PJ Washington and whoever else trying to defend Giannis. And when I seen that, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is going to be a dub uh, for Giannis. Even if not the Bucks, Giannis is about to dub that man, which he did. So it's interesting, and I could not wait to talk about this because if you follow me on twitter by the way almost at 100k appreciate each and every one of you even the bots even the ones that yeah i don't even need to go into all that right now appreciate y'all but you'll notice on twitter this year i i am not trying to replace wob with clips or anything it's just that every morning whatever i didn't get to see the previous night i'll go and i'll do like my review i'll even review some games that i watched so I, and sometimes i just cut things that i found interesting a lot of the times what you'll see me cut is Giannis footage You'll see me cutting him shoot threes, spins, uh, step backs, whatever he's he's done and experimented with this year. I post those because it, it's cool to see that, like I said at the beginning of the year when I made that video and said, hey, he doesn't have the pressure of having to win a championship. Now his game might go to another level. Well, here's the thing about not watching basketball games and then still talking about them. Because I've been thinking about that lately. I was just thinking it's not a big deal if you don't watch basketball games you have everyone has lives we've got a million different things going on especially these days if you don't watch games you don't watch games it doesn't make you special if you do but if you so choose to talk about them even if you're whether you're getting paid for it or not if you so choose to talk about it you should indulge at least at very least in some film study just at very least so you don't say things like hey Giannis is is worse this year or you don't scratch your head when you see some of the clips that I've posted. Because the funniest thing about this clip was he only shot one three in the video. He only made one three that game. And people, for, I don't know if it just something just snapped in people's head, but it was like five people this week that were like, yo, somebody tell Dom, Giannis isn't shooting good from three this year. Yeah, I, it, you know, I know not a lot of people listen to the podcast. It is what it is, but I've been more than more than certain to to read that out that his three-point percentage has gone down or it's close to where it was last year it has not improved put it that way but that he is taking them more and he's stepping in them, into the more i went through the whole fluidity of how his shot looks that type of thing but that wasn't even the point of the clip one of the clip was hey he is eating in a variety of ways and then he's doing everything else he used to do so the way he played that hornets game was in the first half he just basically experimented with his bag so took it he made a three he uh, you know under the legs spin give you a bump step back fade away those type of things that essentially people have wanted to see from him forever and have criticized him for not having if you watch bucks games or you watch bucks footage you will see him messing around with those a lot more than usual so one three-pointer in the video but every not everyone it just got on people's nerves uh, apparently that i put a three in there and they're like his three more percentage is down you're posting it as if he's shooting them more what about everything else he did in that vid and then twitter came <laughs> with the facts which is a very odd sentence to say but i i don't i think somebody posted it in that thread because there was another tweet out there and i thought about saving this for the twitter section but it needs to be said now there was another tweet out there that said y'all remember bucks fans saying Giannis is going to be scary knocking down threes and middies with his new shot that's really where I say, if you're going to talk, just make sure you've done a little bit, just a little bit, just a tiny little bit of film work, just a little bit, because Giannis is shooting this season. 
by the way shout out to milwaukee mamba this is who found this stat it was accurate as of when this was happening and i don't think Giannis has played since then so it's probably still accurate Giannis is shooting this season from 10 to 14 feet it's 47 percent from 15 to 19 feet it's 45 percent those same marks from last season it was 34 percent and 32 percent so from 10 to 14 he is up 13 percent from 15 to 19 he's up 12 so he jumped 10 percent in both then he goes on to note he's 26 he doesn't have a ceiling and it was just crazy to me that that went over heads because you could just those are the things that you see in a lot of the honest footage i post it's not even necessarily just threes it's the work he's doing in the mid-range you can actually that tracks some things don't track with the eye test sometimes this tracks with the eye test and so it has been because the bucks have not been healthy up until now which by the way they have not lost a game with their uh quote big three in of middleton drew holiday Giannis, of course they haven't lost a single game but when they're not in and they hadn't been chris middleton was out for a while we know brooke lopez has been out as this team has just been trying to piece itself together you see Giannis just kind of free-flowing you see him taking more threes as evidenced again on his page he's taking slightly more than he did last year you see him experimenting from the mid-range and getting better from the mid-range and even the part about his threes right so let's just go and say oh, okay yeah look his three-point percentage is actually it's 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 ugly right now on the uh four attempts per game it's it's at 28 percent uh, it's from 30 last year maybe it'll even out and by the time this is over he'll be shooting 30 again or at least close to it but all right the whole thing with a player as dominant as he is as you saw in the hornets game is that him experimenting with anything else and being even a little a little successful at it adds to his game it's not like other players where they're they're not mvps and they're not superstars already and so if they experiment with something it might mess something else up no this guy if you have to and i did i'm basically now reciting the script from the video i did at the beginning of the season and it's come to pass if this guy is now experimenting with and he took fadeaways last year some of the moves he did last year but he's better at them now so if you have to counter his drives or he has a counter for you countering his drives that just opens everything up for him and it opens it up for his teammates drags defenses in bends defenses makes things collapse it's just very little that he has to add to make a very big impact which is why he's still great this season why his team is great despite not having having not been healthy when they're all there they don't really lose it's just i don't know it just was not that difficult to understand and it really showed itself in that game the actual experimentation portion showed itself in that game where i was going with the the point earlier is in the first half of the hornets game that's when he did all the shooting and the spins and the and not just he, he drove a little bit but that's when he was doing other things in the second half came and it was like okay cool i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna be uh pre 2020 honest now he just he just stepped through people because he could he already knew he was bigger than everyone down there and stronger than everyone down there but he was messing with things first and then he went to work and he ended up with 40 uh 12 whatever i read out there and the win which by the way it was a crazy game Lamelo insane three-pointer that might have been an air ball if he shot it just a little bit softer uh that flowed into a, a beautiful play to get a very simple play to get Giannis downhill for the win i actually saw the hawks try the same thing the other the other day with trey young but yeah they just basically started Giannis in the backcourt had him start running full speed and then give him the ball inbound the ball to him and they could do nothing about it Hornets <laughs> could do nothing about it because he's not gonna miss a layup with no excuse me with no uh pressure in the paint but then i think pj washington or miles bridges was it 
threw the ball from half court and very nearly went in just very it was a hood classic so Giannis's development this year and specifically what he showed in that game where you can clearly see the things that he does yeah that goes on the happy list and I was happy that there was data out there to back up why I post things like that because it's it's I, I don't know I just assume I guess I just assume too much I don't know it's not important bro it's not important that I just say if you are hunting retweets or likes off of negative commentary just at least have something to back it up that's all I would say if you, if you must be negative over some highlights just know a little bit and know that Giannis is improving but we'll talk about the Bucks a little bit more later because Brooke Lopez we're not gonna do that right now it's not the happy section that's actually a totally different section so I'm already <laughs> I'm already one-third out of my happy topics the other one I had was ah, should I go there the Celtics it was really just the Sixers game Horford's defense on Embiid now that's how it was kind of build and Embiid just had a god-awful game off the top of my head I'm going to say that he shot three of 17 and then I'm gonna look and yeah I'm right yeah he shot three of 17 I did 17 percent in that game he had 13 points he did grab 18 rebounds um but I would say that in that game which boston barely won it just makes me happy that boston continues to beat philly like maybe they win some regular season matchups but boston always beats them in the playoffs and i had a tweet i was trying to dig up because i said even no matter what boston is going through they will all, always dub philly or nine times out of ten to dub in philly so having a very up and down season this year but still able to take them anyways uh i would say the play calling was not great in that game coming from doc rivers and they just kept trying to go to the same things with Embiid, and he could not get it going. Horford played some good defense. They made some. They they really did make him take some tough shots and give him some tough looks. He made some of them, and then the ones that he missed do feel like shots that I I do normally see him make. Because there was even some over. Uh, okay, we're crossing a road here, and it's cancer and it's freedom. <sighs> Funniest thing about that is there's a score if you look on the game summary there's a thing that says Embiid blocks freedom and it's just you know and the simulation is just acting up but yes there were some games there were some possessions with Ennis on him and we know for a fact that's not the guy you generally want guarding Embiid but he did a solid job in some of those contests but Embiid is a, is a tough shot maker and he often makes a lot of those um but yeah they ended up forcing him into some tougher looks Philly could not overcome it. Boston won that game. Nobody else. Oh yeah, Seth Curry was the only other guy in the starting lineup in double digits. And uh, it was just kind of it was kind of interesting to see them keep going to the same post ups. But what else do you what else do you really do? I guess if even if Al Horford isn't a big part of our future or anything, in the event that we match up with Joel Embiid in the playoffs or we match up with him whenever, I guess it is a good guy to have around because he has a history of making Embiid take tough take tough shots and it's interesting Celtics defensive effort is interesting because it will happen like this right there's a certain guy that you have to key in on and then you'll see a night like that where he turns around and it's not just Horford there it's also Robert Williams has come over to, to limit his space like you'll see great defensive effort to take out a player like Embiid one night then another you'll you'll end up in a game and you, you don't know why you've lost it that's just kind of the essence of being a Celtics fan right now then you end up in the jazz game the other night 
and then you just lose a good it was just a good match and the jazz just decided they weren't gonna miss down the stretch so <laughs> i guess you can't really be mad at that there were some complaints with dennis shooter i see people starting to get a little bit angry with his with him in fourth quarters i know like one of the first podcasts i had said he'd been one of the brightest spots but they, uh, it, there was a time earlier in the season we played the Cavs and he took a fadeaway I think for the game and Jason Tatum didn't get the ball this is when Brown was out Tatum didn't get the ball and I, I was just thinking was that really the play call we went to a shooter free throw line fadeaway and not Tatum I know Tatum isn't all that great this season but still anyways um yeah so cool stuff cool stuff with Horford and Embiid so I'm two-thirds of the way done with the things that make me happy this is just amazing there's so much content here but i just don't understand how this happened because i wrote so much down and then i just like clip it where i think it should go and three things made it there one of them that made it there were the houston rockets who are apparently 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 taking off i think they've won five straight at the time of this recording they are playing the pelicans tonight which kind of i still don't think it matters that much because houston is not going to more than likely erase this four game deficit that they have to get into the play-in but they do play the pels and that could swap them in the standings either way jalen green i know that he has been out god is he still out yeah he's he's been out for quite a while he's been out with the hamstring injury i want to say but they're winning games now christian wood is playing well and he was super happy whichever whatever win started this whole thing and the in the uh little press conference at the end like you could just tell you're just happy to finally win a game and i'm kind of wondering about him too because i have him written down as possible trade bait because when houston when this starts happening they start winning what if they do finesse their way into a playoff spot i'm not sure that's exactly what the goal is there uh but aside from all that Shingun, man. I think it's Alperin. Shingun. Very fun to watch. I there's so many good rookies this year that on the hell here on the podcast, on the NBA show that I do on Twitch, whenever rookies come up, it's very easy to gloss over him. Not just because he plays for Houston, but because there's again, there's just this paying attention to what's happening with Mobley and they're winning, and you're paying attention to, to Scotty Barnes. And then even being in Orlando, uh oh yeah, by the way, I got his name down. It's uh no, never mind. Why did I get confused about to say Franz Wagner? Did I get it right that time? <laughs> that was kicking my ass at the at the uh, at the first podcast. Anyways, there's just so many guys that I end up naming before I go here. And Shingun is a fun watch. There's not much I like more on a rookie than playmaking. That's why I, I love watching Evan Mobley and Jared Allen play because I feel like watching that big to big connection is just beautiful. Watching Evan slip a pass to him to, to a cutting Allen. Uh, as he's getting to the dunker spot love watching josh giddy's playmaking him hitting a, a cutter with a no look that's always a fun experience and shingun as a big man same thing so i was about the sentence i was about to leave was not super athletic let's just put it this way he doesn't look super athletic but he did absolutely body somebody uh, like a, a week ago or as a rockets commentator would put it shoved it down their throat i believe was the uh terminology he used there hey bro come on now dog anyways yeah as a uh playmaking big i was looking it's it's funny because you'll miss it in the stats you'll see he only averages two assists even if you look at the potential assists i think it's like 
four or five per game from him. But the passes that he does make, because when you're a rookie on a bad team, I, I never, you should never really judge it by assists per game or how low they are, because there's a lot of things going on on a young bad team, like different scheming, uh, different play calls, Jalen Green stepping back, taking difficult shots. Like there's a lot that goes into it. But if you actually watch the game footage, you'll see him slip a very nice overhead pass to somebody to Christian Wood actually as he is he's being double teamed in the post uh you'll see him do something crazy he just for OKC was just getting fucked up this whole week but <laughs> yeah that specific highlight I'm thinking he had one where he basically did the rondo behind the back fake pass in the post which is crazy because how many big men do you know that do how many big men do the rondo fake I, I didn't this is not a thing that I went and looked up and read before this because i wasn't thinking that hard about it but now that i think about it the one that he did in okc we post a guy up and then faked it and then threw the pass or maybe he scored on that one either way so like, how many times do you see that uh either way yeah he's just he's crafty with what he has he shoots the ball as a big which you absolutely need i'm sure he's gonna get better at so if you have a, a shooting playmaking big basically it's very smart you can it's like a it's like a multi-use guy right keep him around you build with him it's pretty much a steal that's pretty much a steal everyone was just looking at Jalen green but then it's like hey we, we got this other guy too you got two uh what are gonna be solid rookies obviously green has struggled this year but yeah that, that's something to build with which is why you wonder because they're not done building so that's why i guess i should even though the rockets just to show you who they have beaten so this is a uh Five game win streak for Houston. I know they dubbed the Magic off the top of my head. They did be OKC, so that's two. Oh my gosh, wait, does this actually, yeah, because they haven't won that much. This is actually stretching back to the Hornets, wasn't it? Yeah, so they beat the, maybe it's not as humiliating now, yeah, because they beat the Hornets, beat OKC twice, beat the Magic, beat the Bulls, so that's where it started. And that blown Vucevic PNR coverage where Eric Gordon just turned a corner on him. That's where it started, it hasn't stopped so far. Um, but yeah, I do wonder because now it's looking like, okay, well, they clearly need more. The whole thing that happened with John Wall last week when we talked is like, you don't really want to bring John Wall and put him over a young guy when you know he's not going to be here that long. Then you fuck around and have a dynamic duo between Wall and Christian Wood. And now you're in the playoffs. It just kind of ruins their whole timeline. So I'm just putting it in your ear that I think there's a chance. Maybe Wood will be shopped. Wood will be shopped. Which uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's something there. Yeah, I'm just putting it in your ear. There might be a contender out there that sees that and is like, hey, we can we can use a guy. We use a guy like that that plays big, but also shoots. And has been talented for years now. Remember when he was hidden in Detroit and then he left and I thought that was gonna make a difference when he was there with Harden and then John Wall came and John Wall was still lightning fast that's where I overreacted and was like hey maybe Harden will want to stay and he undermined me two days later so just putting it in your ear but Houston at the moment there's a couple of win streaks Houston has a win streak right now the Spurs have a win streak and their hopes are actually a bit more realistic so shout out to the Jonte Murray I told y'all a week or two ago I gave him a little segment very fun to watch him and Keldon Johnson but they're not even I don't even know if they qualify. I don't know if I called them bad. At the time, they were like second to last. Either way, they're a game and a half now out of the 10th for a struggling-ass Portland team. A struggling Portland team. 
injuries, firings, coach disses. It's just all bad right now. They might, this might be the year, man, but we'll get to Portland in the unhappy section. So San Antonio is, has won four straight, I think, actually. So surging a little bit. A couple of Texas teams surging in the back. We'll see where it goes. But yes, also just putting that in your ear. If you don't pay attention to anything in Houston, if you don't like Jalen Green for whatever, just watch some Sangoon playmaking. Watch some Sangoon highlights. They've got something in this kid. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, believe it or not, that takes us at 24 minutes here out of the happy section. That puts me into that. That puts me I'm doing a Mario bit. That puts me in a neutral mood. Also, only a couple of things and then it gets bad. There are two things in neutral because I just mentioned the Spurs winning. I didn't really have much more to say about the Spurs. I've already done a DeJounte Murray phrase blog, so I can pretty much go ahead and take that out. Uh, neutral. <laughs> neutral on OKC, right? Because they just had a it was just a bad week. It was just a bad week for them. Um, oh, gosh. Luckily for them, whatever Drake said in that interview, as a matter of fact, it's funny how this relates to Drake because the day before the happening, he was in the front row with those old people. He was in the front row of an OKC game. Incredible content. And then this happened. So the Drake curse lives, apparently. But they, before the Grizzlies event, lost to the Rockets and Jay Sean Tate just found a bit and just went with it the entire fourth quarter it was just drive after drive after drive then he had one block near the end where he volleyball spikes it so hard to the ground it comes back up into <laughs> the hands of the rockets and that was the start of it so great performance from from tate there very strong performance in case he loses that one on the home floor and then going into memphis where I should have had Memphis in the happy section. I'll talk about Memphis here, whatever. Cause I'm, I, I guess it would be, I could reach and say it's neutral cause of Morant being out. Then they went to Memphis and I was watching the other game, whatever other hood classic was going on at the time. I was watching that game. Then I pulled out game time app. I saw the score was something like 130 something to 60 something. I was like, hold up. I actually thought it was a glitch. I, I really did think it was a glitch. I turned it on and the crowd was just quiet. They got louder as they realized, I guess they started to realize how much history was in the making and then they got louder, but I went there. Even they were bored. So obviously Giddy wasn't playing uh, Dort. I don't think he played over 30 minutes. Shagil just wasn't playing no favors. So didn't do okay. See a favor there. I don't think it would have changed it. And they ended up losing by 73. And I haven't heard a word about it since. I don't know if it's just because I haven't looked for it. I don't think I saw any of the player interviews. I don't know if there were player interviews. It's the biggest blowout in history, folks. We have witnessed a lot in the last couple of years. Now we've also witnessed the biggest loss in NBA history. And it's just like, man, I tweeted out there either has to be consequences for the whole team that was playing possibly demotions or they just never talk about it again it seems they've chosen option b so we'll choose option b i'm neutral about that though on okc because again it's kind of like history happens sometimes right sometimes you just wake up and go play memphis without john morant and desmond bain only scores two points but you, you just get just, just get manhandled it just happens so see the okc thunder get healthy get some of their guys back 
Uh, I did a Ludort piece a little while back. And they are dead last right now, too. So maybe this is best for them, honestly. Maybe it's best that they sit back there and then pair Chet home green with the crew. And all of a sudden, they're setting the records. The Grizzlies, I would say neutral. They really should be in the happy section, but they're here now. So this is just what it is. Memphis lost John Morant, which it happened so close to the podcast that I just didn't write it down. And I also didn't know what it was at the time because they said just knee sprain, but I thought they were going to say like name the ligament he sprained or something or a timetable at still to this moment. I haven't really gotten the information because it was no contact and it looked scary. Yeah, it looks scary. I even think I saw Achilles trending and I was just like, oh, God, no, it's happening. The the John Murray injury injury prophecies are, are happening. Well, he's out for an extended period of time in Memphis. If I was counting it right, they hadn't lost since then. And so it's been fascinating because with a team like Memphis and they're not a bad, they're not a terrible team outside of him at all. That's not really where I'm going with it. It's just they lose an impact player like him and you think, okay, yeah, they're about to slide. They haven't lost. They lost that game, which was against the Hawks. When you beat the Kings, beat the Raptors, that's a good win. <laughs> you just set a record on OKC. You beat the Mavericks. You did not have Luka. But the big thing that's been going on there, and I don't know. Yeah, I definitely didn't mention Desmond Bain a lot in a previous pod. But Desmond Bain is having a good year. It's a good second year. And full transparency, I did not realize Boston traded him. Be, a, be totally real with you. I knew who he was last year. Uh, he wasn't quite popping like he is now. So it really mentioned. And now, especially with the predicament Boston is in with this roster, I'm looking like, okay, how did this happen and why? Either way, he's up to 16 points a game now. His shots are way up. He's taking five more shots a game, and it helps that it doesn't help that Moran is out, but obviously, you know, he's going to see a bump in, in production. He kind of has to. He's at 47% from the field. He's at 40% from three. He doubled his, uh, he did not double it. And he's taking three more threes a game. And it's it's him scoring in a variety of ways not right now. Seeing him put the ball on the floor a little bit. This is at least a positive for his his development. And I've been kind of looking to at JV. Y'all know I mentioned Jonas Valanciunas. I guess I'm going to guess they ended up letting him go because they didn't want to pay him. But now that he's in... <laughs> now that he's in uh, New Orleans... Hitting seven threes and a half. It's starting to look a little bit crazy to not have him on a specific roster. But anyways, um, yeah, I just definitely had to give Memphis that shout. I hate that Moran is out and I hate that I don't necessarily know when he's coming back. But to not have lost a game so far and then they're going to. Oh, gosh. Speak of the devil. They're playing New Orleans next. And then they're playing Brooklyn, which I think that's kind of where the, the buck will stop. But yeah, New Orleans should. Yeah, I don't know. It depends. Which Ingram is are we gonna get? We're gonna get seven of twenty-one Ingram, or are we gonna get sixteen to twenty-two? I guess that just totally depends. But yeah, good stretch for them. Good stretch for Desmond Bain. Wish he was a Celtic. And Memphis, it's another good building block for them when they are healthy. It's another good, another good building block. That's one of the things I've been happy about in in standing jaw, which is so much different. Like it's just this is the whole thing has just gone so much different. I swore it was gonna be Zion I stand, but it's been jaw, and you got drafted by a franchise that's got multiple young pieces, and uh Bane is one of them, man. The Bane of the Grizzlies existence, I don't think that really means anything or goes with 
the theme at all. Neutral. Vooch. PNR. You know, Vucevic, first of all, has been playing well as of late. So I do want to start off by saying that. There's just been some miscommunications on pick and rolls. And because I am so curious about how this is going to look long term, i.e. in the playoffs, when I see things like that, I'm not encouraged. But let's just start again because it is in a neutral section. So I guess that means there's some good and bad, right? If you make it into this section, there's some there's something I like about this team and there's something I don't like. And then I see you end up here. Uh, yeah, no, Vooch at this moment, in these last few games, first of all, yeah, I had New York in the unhappy section, but I'm just going to go ahead and take it out and have it in the neutral here, because uh, there's no reason for me to talk about the Knicks that much again, but they gave, it kind of mixes here, they gave Vooch so many open looks in that game that they just played two games ago, this is where Vooch scored 27 points, and I believe he was 6 of 6 and 3, right? 10 of 18. Okay, this one he was 5 of 9. He was 6 of 6 against uh looks like Charlotte. Yeah, that's what it looks like. So he's 5 of 9 in New York. And it was crazy because first of all, this is exactly what you need from him. These last few games are exactly what you need from him. He had 30 against Charlotte, 27 here. Um then they they won in Brooklyn. He did, really didn't perform all that well. But at least these last two, you absolutely need this because for the problems that you might end up having on defense, he absolutely has to spread the floor. But what was so peculiar about this one was the space that the Knicks were giving him. And so it involved Mitchell Robinson a lot. And there'd be a pick and roll with, with Ball and Vooch. And Vooch would pop. And every photo you see Robinson doing like the Naruto run back to Vooch to get his hand up. Because he's, he's dropped kind of far to contain the ball handler. It was just strange because in some of those it just it, it didn't it didn't really seem necessary. And it also seemed like there's there had to be an adjustment somewhere, whether it was on the court or whether it came from Tibbs, who at least in Boston days and shortly thereafter was known for his defense. And hell, even last year. Yeah, it's it's not the same thing this year. Um this will this will kind of lead us into the unhappy section because it'll it'll be more Knicks I'll be talking about. So yeah, they definitely are gonna get their own section. And uh yeah, Vooch, that was pretty much why the Knicks ended up losing that game. It was more than just that, but he ended up hitting many monumental threes. And they were wide, like wide, wide, wide. And so I guess I was just confused on where the adjustment didn't come from and how Mitch gave him so much space. Because the next game, I was like, okay, well, if he's struggling on shooting big men like that, what's up with the Jokic? Mr. Jokic coming into town. Now, of course, the Knicks lost that game. That's becoming a theme. But the uh, it, it wasn't the same thing, though. It wasn't just a bunch of pick and pop. It was really Jokic using his size and just straight bullying and shooting over. So it was a little bit different. So, yeah. That, so a couple of good games for Vooch, at least. Just positive signs. Nothing super duper yet. He's still having a pretty average offensive season for Chicago. And that's part of what will make you worry. Because the game plan could not have been to leave him open because he's struggling right now. He, the, the scouting on Vooch is he's a shooter. So that couldn't have been it. But anyways, he's had two in the last two weeks. There's just been some major miscommunication between he and Caruso. You know, it's only two possessions, so it doesn't fully prove anything. And there actually is a lot of possessions where Vooch is solid. Of course, we're not in the playoffs and they're not hunting at every play. 
But the one against the Rockets I talked about last week, it was clear miscommunication. The one that happened against the Nets where they left Harden wide open. So there's a screen and it's a, it's a Harden and LaMarcus Aldridge screen. Aldridge, big human. So Caruso tried to fight over it, but quickly realized he was not going to be able to fast enough to contain Harden. So instead, he pretty much just switched on to Aldridge. And Aldridge started rolling immediately, and he had the, ang he had the angle. So I do want to be fair to Vooch. Aldridge is rolling. He does have the angle. So Vooch was kind of forced to drop back at least a little bit and get some hands up to make sure the pass didn't happen. But also, it was like... This is, this is, that's, that's the crux of my worry for the playoffs. So I guess I hadn't been able to describe it as well in past podcasts. I kind of mentioned it, but in the specific play, he doesn't have tremendous foot speed in situations like this where he's singled out or if his, his, uh, his guard dies on a screen. And so as he's dropping, he did his job and secured the lane. There was no pass coming over to Aldridge, but then there was never an effort or any type of any type of gesture to get back to Harden. There was just he just dropped and Harden stopped and looked and like, are you serious? And then Vooch just kept walking backwards instead of trying to get out. And of course, it's a Harden three. Now, the Bulls do go on to win that game. DeRozan is just he's a god this season. Levine is, is God squared this season. So they go on to beat the Nets, but it's just that's a specific play. It's twice now where it's either miscommunication or it's confusion or it's lack of maybe effort or lack of the tools. Maybe again, Vooch is a big ass guy and he does not have that great a feat. So something like that happens, then he just turns into three points. So interesting possession, but Bulls Nets definitely was was a good one. Um, I've I've done enough talking about DeRozan's mid-range game, so I really don't need to give you that whole spiel, except to mention that he absolutely did it. He deployed every weapon in his arsenal to destroy Brooklyn last night. Actually, is it was everything: the spins, step throughs after the spins, fades and ones. DeRozan is on one, and I haven't exactly mapped that out of my mind, but I'm pretty sure he's a. Like right now, he would have to be a top 10 player more than likely. I would have to sequence it out uh, all the way, but I would assume DeRozan, the way he's playing right now, not a good defender too, so I guess you could factor that in, but DeRozan might be top 10 at the moment. Anyways, that will take us into unhappy. So we can go ahead and roll into the Knicks from that, actually, because I think it's a, it's a good transition. This is probably the second biggest one, but really there's a lot more stuff in surprising and interesting with the Knicks, so I already told y'all their defense against Vucevic was just absolute piss. But what had happened was when I made the podcast last week talking about point guard Alec Burks, they actually went with that. That's why they were here. I, I don't know why I deleted that part. Or maybe I have it in the interesting section, but the Knicks are just doomed to to be in the unhappy section. I mean, their fans are unhappy. And hell, maybe... Maybe even Celtics fans aren't happy. We just all be happy together and constantly return to this section, even though I had a game that I was happy about with Boston. Anyways, Kimball Walker got put out of the rotation is where they went with it. So it's so funny that happened once again, even though I waited all day that happened after the podcast dropped, <laughs> I waited all Sunday and then that it's like it just outweighed me. So I talked about it, and, and Burks had performed well. 
I was wondering if that was really the direction they were going to go. They're going to play with the lineup. I did not see them taking Kimba just just straight up out. That part I didn't. I thought he wasn't going to start after a while. He's not playing. So that has sparked some fascinating conversations. I.e. Gilbert Arena saying that um, it was personal. He said that D Rose was Tibbs guy, even though D Rose isn't the one starting over him, but uh he's trying to sh trying to basically say that kimba wasn't getting a fair shake when really it's he's already negative on defense yeah he's his health you never know what's gonna happen with that and he's not really giving you good offense so that's how you end up out of the rotation that uh, first of all, i don't i don't agree with gilbert with it being personal but yes i even i am shocked to side of the rotation i've said that in either way uh <laughs> i mean since that happened, he started a point guard for the Hawks, and it was like, cool. Uh, but L to the Nets, close game. Uh, Julius Randle complained afterwards, saying the refs told him he's strong enough to deal with certain contact. It doesn't affect him the same way it affects other players, so they call it differently for him, which is definitely kind of interesting. Might talk about that one near the end of the podcast. Maybe I'll come back to it. I know I notice a lot of the times I say that, then I don't. Then they lost to the Bulls, also a close game, so they lost to the Bulls again, actually. Then they lost to the Nuggets. A tough stretch of teams. You play the MVP and then you play what could be the MVP this year and you play Alex Caruso. It's a tough lineup of games. And the thing is, beside from aside from the Nuggets, they were like barely losing these games. It was two two close ones. I wonder. I I wonder what happens here because Derrick Rose because of. His injury history, I don't think he'll ever... And, and he's just found such a solid role as a bench guy that he'll never fully get up to starting. Burks does his job from three. Um, but that's why I was kind of hesitant on it on the podcast last week because I was thinking, I don't know that that's the... I don't know that that's the, the long term or even the answer this season. But then you start getting into talking about trades. I guess the big thing with Kimba is once you take him out of the lineup, apparently... Well, I guess it makes sense. The defensive rating is, is actually up. I think it's one of the worst with him in and then much closer to uh, what it was last year without him. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what's happening with the Knicks, though. The uh, you know, Julius Randle is still he, he plays well against the Bulls because they obviously just don't have size to really guard him. So they rely on like a couple of possessions near the end to to kind of beat him like they did in the game that I broke down. But it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's, they're just in a weird place. It, they're just in such a weird place after having added all this talent. I really thought they were in a better position. And I even thought Kimba, you'll notice I said last week, I thought he was hurt because I saw him fall and grab his knees. So I thought he'd been sitting out because of that. And Tibbs was like, oh no, he's, he's actually just not playing. <laughs> it's like, okay then. So they dropped him. Um, Mitchell Robinson definitely seemed like he found some i don't i, don't, I guess kryptonite is not even a term for it because it's not like he's some superstar when he's not playing these guys just just dragging him basically out of the paint is tough because you can rim protect but those picking rules bro that's what so i'm telling you so what it comes down to in today's nba as a big on the defensive end can you contest can you get back quick enough it's that type of thing well, don't need to do a whole lot, whole lot of Knicks talk. That was kind of just the conclusion to what happened last week. I don't know what's going to... I don't know what's in Kemba's future. Because uh, he's he was playing so bad. 
which is why I disagree with Gilbert Arenas. He's playing so bad with the Knicks that I'm not sure, you know, what trade is out there and what team could use that type of production. Or maybe you say he'll fit with a better team because there are, there are a lot of mouse to feed in New York too this year. That's just one of the big differences. That's something that they're adjusting to. But it's only a quarter of the way through the season, right? I am, if we're going to talk about, because nobody on the Knicks is actually injured. Yeah, the Miami, he got injured. That happened. That did happen. What did I say two or three podcasts ago when I was talking about the Miami Heat and I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not exactly sure if I'm, if I have a reason to be down on them. Really, that reason probably would have been Duncan Robinson. I think that's what I was looking for. But at the end of that, I said, yeah, they just need to stay healthy and just, just build because they've got a lot of what they need. And they have lost everything. The continuity they were going to have because they were healthy and they could finally build and COVID wasn't ravaging them. Well, I'm at a bio tore something in his thumb. He's going to be out for a month at least, I think. And Jimmy Butler's been gone with, I'm not exactly, is it the ankle? I'm not exactly sure where Jimmy Butler's gone, but he's he's out. So the question that I had when I said, oh, Tyler Hero, like this is a great season for him, but he's got to do quite a bit for that team right now. And they're riding his hot streak pretty closely i guess maybe that was that's another thing i was probably searching for like they're riding this this hot streak pretty closely now all of a sudden they are going to be dependent on him to be in games no jimmy no bam you're doing you're starting deadman i believe then the the guy omir that's coming off the bench obviously neither one of them give you anything that bam is and then butler who was averaging what 25 or 26 so heroes looks are not going to be as clean especially because duncan robinson is also just i guess professionally podcasting now so it's it's tough a lot of that falls on on hero's shoulder and, and i think i don't know i think he's gonna be struggling he's gonna be struggling with the heroics 15 points against milwaukee in an l yeah 18 here 7 to 16 it's not terrible but a 9 to 23 night against cleveland in an l I think before that he missed a game where they just said he, he was overall sore. It is disappointing to say the least, because even when Miami does come back, I don't think anybody has like an ailment that's going to ruin their whole season. But when they do get back together now and on the floor, they have to kind of pick up where they were and build. And is this going to how, how much is this going to mess with with Tyler Hero start? Because he was playing great basketball. But now you go through a month or so of really having to, and I'm not sure when they're getting Butler back either. That would be a big, big help. But still, even when they do get Butler back without Bam, it's just, man, that's a that's a tough bid. That's been their problem. Continuity was their problem last year, guys, in and out. And now here we are again. So I, I guess what I'm most going to be interested in, first of all, is seeing if Duncan Robinson can, can hit a shot. I think he had one solid game maybe this week. So interested in that, but also interested to see what this does to the season that Hero was having. Because if they could have just stayed healthy and he could play that role and he could be given the freedom and space to play that role, then you go to the playoffs and you're good. Maybe Duncan Robinson has found a stroke by them, but now you're dealing with that and guys out. So everybody's fitting into different roles. Uh, it's tough. It is tough. You're going to need more out of them. That you probably didn't want to be yanking out this early in game. What is this? 24? 21 for him because he's missed a few that is super duper disappointing and they're probably going to uh 
yeah, they, who knows? They're probably going to fall a good bit. But we'll see when they get Jimmy back. If they get Jimmy back and he does what he did last year, where uh, there were some MVP whispers for him last year. I don't know if you all remember. But if he comes back and he has a performance like that again, and Hero can be kind of comfortable, maybe they can survive long enough to get Bam back, and they can, this can just be one of those things that happen. But super unfortunate for a team that really looked like they, they could make a run to me this year, once the pieces really fit into place. Bad things for Miami. He's super unhappy about that. Really unhappy about the way the Suns and Warriors win. Because we just can't have anything, bro. We just cannot have anything. Uh, just as a note, I guess I, I wrote it down, but it's not going to be a big story. I already talked about it. About the Hornets getting health and safety protocol. Um, it's happening pretty much like all over the league now. Javante Green's got health and safety. COVID is, is making a comeback, bro. It's, it's coming back 3-1 in the NBA. I mean, it never left the regular world, but it's making a comeback in the NBA starting to get a little bit worried about those crowds because i'm not i'm not gonna say i'm not watching crowdless basketball but bro have you went back to watch bubble highlights like religiously anyways uh it started off okay sons warriors started off interesting i think that it was funny because charles barkley said before the game the the point about deandre aiden and size and how that was gonna play into this matchup i even wondered about that because on tuesday night that's when that's when the show is we we always do those shows on tuesday because it's before the tnt matchups at the end i was talking with the video coordinator guy which by the way that was my favorite guy i've worked with so far gotta bring him on the pod sometime because he's he knows it all anyways yeah i was talking about aiden and the impact that that would play but twitter was just not trying to hear that at all once Charles said that, they were saying, oh, this is an outdated take, which it kind of is because a big doesn't just shut everything down and it hasn't been that way for a while with the Warriors. I, I just did that video and mentioned that with how they overcame the Clippers. However, in that matchup, that's the one solid takeaway because he had two, he had two uh, statistically good games. They got blown out in the second one because of health, but in the first one, uh, when it was more or less even, and then they lost Booker. Yeah, he he was the tone setter. They played through him. They gave him the ball, and he was super aggressive, as if he he'd gotten his his contract. And it was pretty much the difference. It controlled the pace. You, all of a sudden, you've got the Warriors not really able to get in transition. Obviously, if if a big guy is down there scoring, now you're walking the ball up. But that is interesting, and I wonder. That, that makes me wonder, because I've now been asking about Wiseman and how he fits this team for a while. Because a lot of that happened on Kevon Looney, Draymond Green, and, I, and and then obviously Bielita can't guard him. That's not what he's there for. And so I'd been asking, well, Wiseman, especially with him, if he's not going to be shooting much this season, where, what's his impact on this specific team? We'll see. I'm not sure. Again, we haven't seen him in so long that I'm not even sure what he's going to bring, but maybe it'll be something better than a loony could give you on aiden maybe it could be a, a, a bit more bit more size and strength down there but i i don't know because aiden is just like that that's why i said pay him that's why i said pay the man as far as far as if you're phoenix you don't even gamble with losing something like that when he could be the if they were in the conference finals who knows maybe he could be that difference um so that's the one solid takeaway and i i keep saying that because there's not really much else these matchups they just weren't healthy man they weren't healthy. Mikhail Bridges went down in the second game, scared me to death because I was like, I was really enjoying watching this guy play defense. This is the, the wingspan. He could, in this room I'm sitting in right now, he could probably touch both walls 
uh, with, with his fingertips. You know, to be honest with you, I don't think that... I don't really think that came out right a bit. That honestly don't sound exactly how I wanted it to sound. That's kind of crazy. Anyways, <laughs> I don't even have the... I ain't even got the sound effect for that one, bro. Wow. That's crazy. Because it's getting ridiculous. Anyways, he got hurt and it was dislocated, but nothing tore. So that's good. I, I guess he'll be back. Um, but in the first game, Booker got hurt. We're already short of Klay Thompson. Iguodala has been out for a while, which if you were watching the Warriors, you know he actually is important to the, the way the ball moves on that team and their rotations. So in short, we didn't get a healthy match and you could only take little bits and pieces and Aiden is one of the bits that I took. Booker was having a pretty solid game, I believe, before he went out. We'll be talking about him a little bit more later. And uh, I did like game one. I did find it interesting. Like it's it's a thing where it's no Clay Thompson and Steph is having the worst game of the season. As a matter of fact, was it the worst shooting game of his of his career? Or it was the worst shooting game in a while, if not his career. And the game was still close until the end because the rest of the bench came to play. The support pieces came to play that game. And so when I see things like that, it's like it, it was close before Booker went out. It's a problem. And Steph went really hidden. And again, no clay. And then Booker went out and then they won. So then you can make the argument that way. Hey, once once Booker went out, they should have lost. That just shows you how good the Suns are. That just shows you where they are as a, as a team when they at least have Mikael Bridges and everyone else there. But again, this is just why I don't like this, because you're just kind of like reaching all over the place. You don't really you don't really know much in the second game. Once Bridges goes out and you already don't have Booker, it's like, OK, this this means nothing. Chris Paul and Aiden, if that's what's there in the playoffs, then it's a sweep. Um, so don't really take much from there. Steph still didn't have a, a great game. He's actually kind of, I guess, for him, kind of in a slump. It's a short three game slump. But they lost to the Spurs as well, and he did not have a good shooting game. But to the game one, I guess that's the last thing I'll discuss there. Mikael Bridges absolutely did play good defense. The Suns as a whole played good defense on him. When there was a screen, Aiden was coming up really high. They Exactly what Monty Williams said is what they did. It wasn't just coach jargon. They really did make his looks, most of his looks that night, as tough as possible, which is why I was confused because I saw, I don't know if it was from the same account, but there was an account going around on Twitter saying, oh, Steph missed 13 open shots. It wasn't the Suns defense. And I was watching the game and I was like, I didn't see 13 open missed shots. Then I went and reviewed the footage too. And I, unless we have different definitions of open, I still didn't see 13 open missed shots. I saw really hard looks. Even him getting to the basket was made difficult by Mikael Bridges. He just couldn't, he just couldn't get going. And, but, but, but in the playoffs, health assumed all of a sudden Clay Thompson is there with his gravity that shifts things I, a lot, a lot. Because uh, I still get the sense that it's with a contending team like the Suns, not that they treat the Warriors like they like they were last year, where there was just Kelly Oubre and you could single Steph out some games. Not like not necessarily like that, but still like what I said when I was talking about the MVP race last week. Jordan Poole is cool and he's having his best season, but it's it's not a. It's not a second superstar on the floor with Steph or even a second, I, I guess, I don't know. Dre, Dre is technically my name. He's an all-star. He's having a good defensive season as usual. But as far as like offensively, there's not a second offensive all-star superstar on the floor with him right now. So you can still be Coach Monty Williams and say, we're going to make his looks as, as hard as humanly possible and really deploy every effort to make that happen and end up eking a game out. 
Once Clay comes back, that gets that gets significantly harder. The angles get harder, the help gets harder. Floor is more open now. It's it's tough. So hopefully, fingers crossed, Christmas Day, we get these two fully healthy and we get our best look at them. Because game one was the best look we had, and it was it was it was cool. But it wasn't it, it you know when Booker's missing, the offense is run differently now. I want to see what the Warriors do with Booker on the floor. It's, it's it, Everything just changes. When you take one important piece out, everything changes. And then game two is just irrelevant, in my opinion. But also, like I said, DeAndre Aiden. It's a big factor. We'll see how that plays out. Things in Portland are playing out exactly how we thought. Shout out Jazz fans, by the way. Congratulations. You guys are going to get a mention here. I told you I watched the Cavs game today. It's a great game. That was so much fun. I just have natural. I just have natural shit talking about Utah. I really have nothing against y'all. But I don't understand for the life of me why when the Jazz played the Blazers, why did Portland guard go bare like that? Now, I know none of y'all were probably watching a Jazz and Blazers game. I know none of y'all probably looked at the footage from that. Unless you follow me on Twitter, you saw I, I was not really highlighting i just showing Rudy Gobert dominance because they were giving him slips and rolls to the basket giving them I'm talking Ingles it's an Ingles and, and Gobert pick and roll and you have two come up to the ball they didn't trap him but they came up so high that Gobert was just like okay slip down the middle and there's no adjustment nobody really rolled over or nobody really rotated over nobody really there to help and it was just go bear dunking it was a whole lot of go bear dunking and, he, and then the the one-on-one -on -one matchups where he would get a rebound over nurk and put it back he just dominated him there but the pick and roll was just baffling even when it was not a go bear dunk it was okay you know, two guys have all but committed to the basketball at the at the top the three-point line uh, so now somebody has to put themselves in real bad position to stop Gobert from scoring, and now the ball is swinging, and somebody's going to get an open shot eventually. I guess that's why the Blazers' defense... It was 29th last time I checked. Let's do a quick check and see if it's now 30th. Because, um, yeah, this is another thing where I test tracks. You Portland Trailblazers. No, I'm not trying to buy no damn Portland tickets, especially right, especially right now without Dame. They are 11 and 13, and they are 30th in defensive rating. They are dead last. That whole situation right now is like watching all the air leave a balloon at once. Damian Lillard was actually hurt. Uh, I saw it in one game. Remember when I told you? Well, y'all saw it too. He grabbed at his abdomen. Before that, he had never been grabbing at it, though, or his, his stomach. He'd never been grabbing or anything like that. It was just the lift wasn't there. The explosion wasn't there. Uh, the shots were short. Then I saw him grab stomach, and here we are two weeks later, probably since that happened. He's out with abdominal tendinopathy, whatever that means. <laughs> I need that on my soundboard so bad for future, <laughs> whatever that fucking means. Um, so he's out for at least, what was it? They said 10 days or something like that. Portland is probably fluttering. Have, have, what have they won without him? I see a lot of L's here. I don't remember exactly which game he went out, but they've only beaten Detroit recently. So they are losing. They're under 500. They are in serious danger of falling out of the play-in. Obviously, there's plenty of time to get it back, but Portland is normally 
in the West, up to now, you hadn't really been secure up there, but they've always kind of been one of those teams where it's like, oh, they'll be in the playoffs, or at least to play in. There's um, that. They suck on defense. They fired Neil O'Shea. We knew we heard the story broke a couple of weeks ago. They did the investigation. They got him up out of there. Chauncey Billups made a comment. He said, I've never seen a team that needs its bench to inspire our starters. That shit crazy to me. It's supposed to be the other way around. That's a wild thing for a. I mean, I guess keeping it real, but just with how it be immediate works and coach player relationships, that's kind of wild to hear out loud, especially with everything that's going on. I'm not going to make y'all sit through one of my long drawn out rants of Damian Lillard and why he needs to leave Portland, because at this point it is what it is, but it's summed up like this. <laughs> They're insane in the brain if they do not blow this shit up after this season. Because it's not going to happen during the season, probably. If they do not get to the end of the season, after they, that should be the final nail in the coffin. If they miss, because through all these Damian Lillard years, they've never missed. Once they miss this playoffs and they don't get anybody in the offseason for Dan, they have to blow this up. That's what I'll say there. What's likely to happen? Well, I, <laughs> and I like Dame, so I hate that this is so accurate but they were like my thread they were like dom you know dame's not going anywhere bro it's about to happen they're gonna maybe they'll make the playoffs they're gonna get first or second rounded they're gonna add one very mid piece to the team dame is gonna make another scheme on a rap song about being loyal and they're gonna do this again next year so that's it's depressing that that's the reality but i just think at this point this is Dame's worst season and all this other stuff is happening and you're not you're nowhere there's no path for this roster to get to a championship in Dame's window just let it go bro just let it go I'm gonna let it go Zion is also hurt delayed yep they uh this is not three three straight weeks of some Zion talk they said he was cleared for activities and they're like oh wait soreness in that foot oh wait what did i say in the last podcast it was very common sense I just, it wasn't anything you couldn't have figured out on your own i didn't tell you anything crazy by saying i don't think he should play this season because uh, the, the weight he's on on a surgically repaired foot just doesn't sound like it's it sounds like he needs to go through multiple different steps before actual basketball so there's that that, that's literally the Zion news. I don't even need to talk about it anymore. Just remember, Dom said Zion should not play in the 2022 season. You just shouldn't. There's just no reason. Oh, but Lopez. Now, there's one. I was listening to an older... I was listening to the podcast two or three weeks ago. And I was like, damn, I, I took a really hard stance when I said I would bet Bucks fans that without Lopez, they aren't, they aren't going back to back. It's a really hard stance. But after I, I've sat with it, because I was like, did I really mean to say that? But I, st I don't know if I would bet as hard, but I would still say that that's this is not this is not great. And given the level of the teams that they were probably going to be playing to get to the finals and win the finals, it's hard because I know Bobby Portis is the shiny new toy. But Lopez does provide a value to this team that helped them win a championship and that would help them win a championship again. Anyways, your boy had back surgery and he's out indefinitely. 
he disappeared after the game one they waited this long and i don't know exactly when he had the surgery but i think they've waited until now he's got no timetable on when he's coming back it's a big ass guy it's kind of feels i don't know but back surgery bro when does anybody come back from back surgery in the same season does that happen that's tough and so a shooting big man that can protect the rim uh and just overall space the floor at that size that's so valuable and so i'm not saying i guess that's why the stance sounded so hard i'm not saying that lopez is the difference between them winning 60 games or even going on the streak they're on right now like i said their, their big three hasn't been defeated this year so there's that but yeah i'm not saying lopez is the difference between them winning i don't know what 60 games or whatever or finishing first seed I'm talking about winning a championship and also because what it does to their depth now the cousin signing i i did say that when they signed cousins so okay they, they're probably kind of fearful about what's happening with lopez that makes me question what's happening with lopez and oh, oh he needed surgery actually I had to cut him open that's a way to freeze it so now your big rotation using Giannis as a big using portis using demarcus cousins who had four fouls the other night i don't know if he had more than four i don't think he fouled out they did score 11 points though i saw him make some really good passes too so he, he it's cool because obviously I, I don't think the deal was guaranteed so he's playing basketball for his life quite literally and so it's a, it's a nice it does seem like a nice cog that they're able to bring off the bench and he's making the right some of the right basketball plays so that's all good but he doesn't i don't think he brings you i'm not, I'm not sure if that brings the, the big man rotation up to par once it's time for the playoffs so we'll wait and see Still watching a lot of Bucks basketball. They're going to win a ton of regular season games off the merit of how good defensively the, those guys are and how this, the floor is spaced and how much Giannis is added. When it comes down to it, and it's like, okay, now it's time to... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be hard. The, the, keep an eye. Keep an eye on the Lopez news. Keep an eye on their big rotations, is what I would say. And yeah, hope Cousins works out good as he can. Gosh, am I done with the unhappy section? Nick's defense was pissed. Hornets got clipped. Yeah, looks like we are going to be moving on to things that are surprising and interesting. There's quite a bit here. This is where, like, this is where the meat is. I'm, I'm just not going to go any further than that, that comment. I talked about Christian Wood already. So that was kind of with the Rockets. Oh, so with Kimba being out, I did bring this up. I don't know if I do I have a podcast graphic for this. I did see a trade. I'm not sure at all how this trade would happen, but since the Knicks are now experimenting with that point guard position and they were like Kimba's out, I saw John Wall's name floated around in the possible trade. And you wonder, you do wonder. I don't know. I don't know what he's like defensively right now. And first of all, I do again full transfer. I have no clue how this would actually work with his contract um, in a trade or if it's a buyout and he joins the Knicks. But I did see John Wall to the Knicks floated around once Kimba fell out. And I don't know if it fixes their problems. Again, they would definitely depend on what he brings defensively after not having played basketball for quite a while now. And uh, do they... Because Kimba, and ideally you would have had some really good shooting from Kimba. So it's also like what type of shooter does John Wall come back as? That would be a conversation we're having and 
again, if he's still fat, which he was fast enough last time we saw him to to make defenses rotate and move. Yeah, I guess pretty much any team that's like on a line or needs to get better could kind of use that. So it's a lot of depends. I just I just say all that to say I'm not sure if you if you're the Knicks, you go through everything you probably have to go through to get that deal to happen. Like if you can't get it off of a buyout or if you have to do some super complex trade, I'm not sure John Wall saves you. But it it was at very least interesting. That was interesting. <laughs> this is uh, the surprising slash interesting section. LeBron James is about with COVID. Was interesting. But I'm going to save that, actually, because whatever, he's back. I'll save that. The NBA took away Kevin Porter Jr.'s rebound a couple of days ago for his triple-double because it, it was some bullshit, like, admittedly. Uh, the ball, like, tapped it. One of his teammates tapped it out, I think, and they yelling at him to go get it. So it was cool to hook, hook the homie up with a triple-double, but they took it. So that was petty, but I guess. Whatever. They just don't want BS in the record books, I guess. But... That started making me think just because of the stat. What is an assist actually? I don't know how many of y'all notice it this year, but they are getting super duper duper liberal with the assists giving. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. They are being very, very lenient. I'm watching the games and then, like I said, either rewatch portions or go see a player performance. And it'll be like a, a pass to a guy and he will dribble so many times before either getting to his spot or laying it up and it's credited as an assist that's why it was in the in the highlight package for the player i'm just like i thought assists as it's defined leads directly to the basket and so i guess there's some leeway if a guy is coming downhill and you hit him and he takes some dribbles yeah that's an assist but you swing the ball across the court and he jab steps and takes two dribbles into a shot. Is that an assist? I don't know. Just go just go watch it. It's it's just something that I'm just putting in your ear. Go check out some of the footage. It, may, it also might be on my mind. I believe I saw a TikTok about it. So maybe subconsciously that's kind of made me look for it more. I'm like, buddy was right. They are being cause it's popping up in every highlight package I see. Like, man, they are really just kind of giving some freebies. And the crazy part is it's not always the home court either. It'll be a guy in an away game. And the stat keepers are like, yep, that's an assist. All right. So yeah, them taking KBJ's rebound just kind of made me think, what what is an assist actually? I talked a little bit about Jonas Valanciunas. Just wanted to mention that again because let's see where we are at with the three point shooting now. When I mentioned him the first time, I think he was leading the league in three point percentage. He had seven threes in the first half against the Clippers, and that was fun because that was the day after they had to play Steph. And so they had to play Steph as a point guard and Steph as a center. Ended up losing that game. You lost a three-point shooting JV. Um, so leading in three-pointers right now, here go basketball reference jumping all over the place again. Uh, leading in three-point percentage right now is actually Patty Mills. Yeah, he's playing really well for the Nets. Imagine if the Nets had Kyrie in this situation. I, we don't need to keep doing that all season, but Patty Mills could have just been an extra and not a necessity. Yeah, he is on six, basically seven attempts. He's at 47%. It's nice. So JV is actually down to the third now. It's Mike Conley. Yep, that tracks. He busted our ass all the night. Yeah, so. Yeah, I just, I, I just thought that was funny for the Clippers. Because 
although they are still having a decent season and the west is bad enough that they can still get up there uh, every now and then you remember that that franchise is, is the clippers and they're prone to a guy who takes two threes a game hitting seven of them and a half happens sometimes jared allen bro he's an all-star this year right now he's an all-star and i have him written down because he just dubbed the mavs earlier this week so sometimes i talk about players and they pop up every week I don't, i'm not just gonna keep saying the same thing i said about the player it was just the the performance against the mavs was hilarious because i think they started moses brown on him moses brown just so you know like he he's cool and i think he has a nice upside but he was also just down playing in the g league maybe a, a week and a half for two weeks before this game against jared allen it ain't no jared allen's in the g right now I, you know there's taco fall but there's not jared allen and allen just absolutely feasted he hit him with a hakeem up and under and then i think they were like all right cool we're gonna move other defenders on him to which they really had none that could stop him um so yeah if you I, I'm just and I watched him play today too they, they obviously lost against the Jazz but it's just so much fun because when you think of him you probably think just some blocks and dunks but he occasionally puts the ball on the floor and gives you a little floater too is a thing he has a for a center that you think is a traditional big man he's got a bag on him he's super agile and he will uh, that's why he's able to work with Mobley he'll take a pass from Mobley who was cutting into the paint and he'll take a dribble in and he'll have a nice touch and he'll finish but yeah, he he used all of that against Dallas. Watching him dominate Dallas actually reminded me of one that I didn't have written down here. It was Montrez Harrell dubbing the Timberwolves. That was an experience because I think there was 10 dunks. I think he had 10 dunks that game. And so when I did the cut for Twitter, I literally just cut the dunks like a second each because they were all exactly the same. It was pretty much him in the dunker spot or him behind the defense on the baseline and just just waiting the Wizards offense uh that's, that's being run there C coach is killing it this year because it's it's like I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago it's not just Beal scoring and then having or Beal iso wing and then having decent teammates around him like no they're playing an actual system and cutting up and so I think Timberwolves actually tried zone too and that's where Harrell was just like okay cool, I'm gonna stand here wait for the ball movement to kind of cut that up and he just took a pass and dunked it every single time so again and again and again so I do recommend Wizards basketball. And that was another loss for the Timberwolves. And Cat went out too. So uh, up and down there. But I talked a lot about Timberwolves last week. Interesting. Yeah, okay. We can go to LaCovid now. What happened with that? Matter of fact, there's another thing that just popped up for me to talk about with LeBron as well. What happened when they said he was going to be out for 10 games? And then he was playing pretty much the next night. Not that I wanted him out. Because that was that was insane. I was when I saw that, I was like, okay, it's they're officially the 2013 Lakers now. They get one guy back, another guy goes out, or they get the same guy back and he goes out, and their defense is scrambled, and they just can't figure out how to put it together. And then no one's ever on the floor together, so they can't figure it out. So you said LeBron James, he just got back and he was out for 10 games. I'm like, yeah, he's Lakers are this is 2013 all over again. They can't build like this. And then it was like, oh, yeah, actually, he did a bunch of tests. He's good. All right, then. But somebody wasn't happy. Somebody was not happy with the celebration he did because there's not, there's not much more with the, the COVID thing. It's just I'll leave that to your interpretation. He's back, though. And that's good. That's good for the league. But 
this i just saw this i hadn't been on my phone much today kareem actually got on the video and said or he uh how you put it win at or i don't want to say shat yeah he he talked talked down on lebron for doing the big balls celebration which he was fine for just so i can refresh my memory real quick the lebron here, here that was against the pacers right yep right here in the picture yeah that was against indiana so they absolutely deserved it things that were happening that game but it's particularly the last comment that got me because whatever if kareem has his opinion he basically said lebron shouldn't have done that why is winning not enough for you da, da, da. why do players do this but it was specifically about lebron then at the end he says goats don't dance okay sure like kobe was stone-faced on the court you were stone-faced and you told magic johnson that one time not to celebrate after i think it was the game winners like the first game of his career was it then michael jordan wasn't doing a whole lot of dance okay but also i don't think it's that much of an issue to say that and it kind of makes it feel like there's something else behind it because to come out and talk about first of all the person who you can have an opinion regardless doesn't matter you're entitled to your opinion to come out against a guy who's holding the mantle of the lakers right now who's pretty much of, of your ilk he's in the goat debate now he's he's got the torch for the lakers at the moment that seems to be flaming out but he's got it nonetheless to come out and go that far is to say goats don't dance like he hasn't been in a league for 19 years doing goat things kind of makes it feel like there's some salt because it's not a secret that especially once you get to that top tier i don't know it kind of feels like there's been multiple guys threatened by lebron james passing it that's just how it's felt i mean and it's a clear difference as when Kobe was here, you didn't hear those type of things. You didn't really hear him talk about LeBron like that. It was nothing but love. And so there was no, even if there was a time in somebody's mind where LeBron passed Kobe, after retirement, obviously, and you're talking about like all-time rankings, there wasn't, there was never, I don't, I can't recall Kobe comments about, about him like that. But then there's other legends and they'll say these things and it's, it kind of comes off as, I don't know. It just there's just like there's something to it. There's just something to it. And with Kareem specifically, I I know his goats come from his generation, and I know he's heard the LeBron goat talk. And also, he believes in he believes in goats also by generation. At least that's what he said when he spoke to the basketball players at my college. They told me he told them that yeah, every era has its own goat. So that's kind of how he sees it. But that just kind of felt like a weird shot from lakers brass i don't know man i don't know weird in connection with lebron isaiah stewart apparently is trademarking beef stew actually kind of smart beef they had beef and stew stewart yeah that's about where that goes the nets rotation oh no 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 no! sorry to finish up with the lakers they lost to the clippers and there was a lot of praising teron lu going on and i don't know because it, it kind of feels like there's this thing where there's a building 
tiredness of Frank Vogel, which may or may not be fair. On one hand, it seems like it's finally starting to click. I think DeAndre Jordan has played four minutes in the last two games, so it might be starting to click that if this team is going to be successful at a championship level, it's not going to happen with DJ on the floor. So that might be starting to click or maybe he's going to start him again. I don't know. But Dwight Howard seems like he's taking up some of those minutes. I seen he's starting with Anthony Davis and the Clippers started big against that. There's uh, the end of that game, though where to stop Paul George because even if he has some shady shooting nights anytime he pulls up in the mid-range over you it's prone to go in right now he obviously doesn't have the same team or luxury as like a DeRozan to say so he said he's probably having he is having to see much more tough tougher coverages because his number two is Reggie Jackson which is cool but it's it's not a, not a star or anything Unless it's the playoffs. And he has got, he's got the goggles on. Anyways, the end of that game, Tyron Lue basically puts Luke Kennard in as the other three players that aren't named Paul George overloaded on one side of the floor. And it was very, very simple, but it was cool. It was good coaching. Like I give Lewis his credit after they won that Clipper series. But it's very simple. And MS Lakers up. They would come to double PG. Kennard would just slip straight through, go to the corner, which was completely empty. Again, three players on the other side of the court. And he had some threes, and that was kind of kind of gave him the space they needed to win that game. Um, and it's a it's another I don't know if tough loss is the word, but it's another kind of like figure it out moment for the Lakers. Another thing to figure out. End of game schemes has to do with coaching. And then there was a lot of praise coming to Ty, Ty Lue after that. So I don't know if it was like praise at Ty Lue and talking down on Vogel. I don't know if it was of that, but I just I don't know if I've seen that much praise to an opposite coach before. So I don't want to say Vogel's on the hot seat. I do also, again, I've been giving them grace for a while. This roster, he hasn't had the best options. But Kendrick Nunn is apparently going to save the day as he posted on Isaiah Hardenstein's Hardenstein's Instagram he said y'all haven't seen me yet so okay hey they, I, I agree a 15 point per game scoring shooting point guard would probably help rotations right now but don't need to go into a whole lot of Lakers talk right now Lakers Clippers was demoted for Warriors and Suns just for Warriors and Suns to get ruined by injuries but that's just kind of what happens when the basketball gods are in their mood rotations right now Blake Griffin is out of the Nets rotation that's happened slowly and now he's just not playing anymore it's been a wild wild year for him to come in and play for this Nets team and people were like oh Blake he was hiding this and then almost play a role on a, a team that could have been in the conference finals maybe the finals and now you come into the season with the same team and it's it's kind of what I said I, this probably wasn't in a podcast, but it's probably in a video. It's what I said. This team, it, it was built for a super team. And I, LaMarcus Aldridge has adapted well to more being asked of him. He's adapted really well. He's just, man, I can't believe he was about to retire. But Blake is not now. So he, he got to play with Kyrie a little bit last year. Then it thinned out a little it, as the playoffs went on. It's like, hey, we need you. Don't know his numbers from that stretch. But now, again, I, I said I, don't, I didn't think Blake came to Brooklyn to really be dependent on. I think he just wanted to hit three sometimes uh, off of the space that those three would create. 
And so now he's out of the rotation. And Nash, speaking of more rotation, he says, hey, we're playing KD because that's, I don't know, all we can do at the moment. He said, somebody asked him about Durant playing 40 plus minutes. He said, I don't know what options we have other than to play him less and lose more. That sounds about right. Because James Harden is still seldom having good games against good teams. Had a good game against the Knicks. Take the Knicks in mid right now. Then they played the Bulls and he had another bad game. Offensively, shooting wise. It's just, don't need to go over that again. We did that last week. Before we completely left the Lakers, by the way, I did want to throw this graphic in here, this note. It said Avery Bradley has been a disaster for the Lakers. LA is negative 107 in 468 minutes when he's been on the floor. I did just want to point out that the Warriors seem days away from having him instead of Gary Payton too. Gary Payton the second, but I like GP too. Yeah, it seemed like they were days away from that happening. No, he might have been better on the Warriors, but still. It's it's not even the fact that they just would have had Avery. It's that they wouldn't have had Gary, I believe. <laughs> we talked a little bit about the Bulls. The Bulls and Heat with their tampering. What did they lose? They lost picks. They're going to have to forfeit second round picks. Which basically, oh yeah, sorry, back up. It had to do with Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry, I think. So basically, uh, we, we know this has happened. We know this has been happening. Guys get calls before the agency opens. It's like, hey, how'd you, how'd you already have that set up? How, how did he sign the contract as soon as free agency opened? Uh, so I think it was of that, of that, uh, variety and then obviously Lonzo was a little bit different it was a trade too but there's just a lot going on there they just lost some second round picks and so I think that just means there's going to be 59 picks in a couple of these drafts which really cost the player and not the franchise because I don't think it's that many Draymond Greens out there so yeah yeah it was basically like oh okay just keep it down is what that said that punishment says look we know what y'all do but don't don't Make me do a little bit of work to find it. Practically is what happened there. So nothing. <laughs> um, two more things. Did want to talk about Fred Van Vliet. Just give him a little love because I know on the Toronto Raptors, it can be hard just because they didn't have expectations coming into this year. And then the people that are paying attention to Toronto are probably more interested in Scotty Barnes because Fred has been around for years. But he's having a season for himself offensively and defensively career high in points right now shooting the ball uh the best yeah pretty much the best he's had from three he's shooting 39 percent on eight attempts per game just for reference his highest is 41 percent on three attempts and that was back in 2018 so killing the three ball playing the highest minutes right now he's up to 38 and then 44 from the field which is his his, his best mark um and yeah it's i i even me i like I'm, I'm more interested in Scotty, but as I am peeking in on the Raptors and wondering if they're going to make playoffs or not, uh, he is just stepped into this role beautifully because I kind of always wondered after Kawhi left and then he had to play with Kyle Lowry for a while. You know, what's he going to be able to take what he did in the finals and, and stay relevant? And right now, he's still a, a, a great piece for them. I wonder it makes me wonder about Toronto's timeline, the way he's playing. Makes me wonder is about Toronto's timeline because you still got Siakam there and then you got Freddie playing at what you could probably argue as an all-star level. I haven't started doing ballots yet, but you'd argue that. And you're developing Scotty, uh, developing OG. 
and Fred is still he's 27 so he's probably still got quite a bit of time left just wonder how fast the development for that team can come along or what are the pieces they can get to kind of put it together in the ashes of what Kawhi left because a lot of them are still there I don't think OG played in that run did he um but like as far as players it's like three guys that are still there from that and then you get gifted Scotty Barnes so let's see what happens but yeah Fred VanVleet was absolutely worth a mention right now uh he's killing it just the Raptors are I guess pretty much in a tough situation in this Eastern Conference they are yeah they're they're even sitting outside of the play-in right now by two games and so are the Knicks and then in the play-in are teams like Philly and Atlanta and Cleveland and Charlotte all healthy those are teams that are probably should be higher than that so very tough situation so then that makes me wonder like what do you really want if you're Toronto right now you want to speed this up a little bit I don't know but Freddie had to get that and then I decided to I, I talked about Ingram a little bit but I did want to just point out my favorite move in his bag it's a very up and down season for him again just that's just how it is in in New Orleans especially when you're looking and saying Zion's probably not coming back uh, so some game like the beginning of the season I thought he was about to take a massive step and it's kind of evened out a little bit and then now it's just like every other game it's like it's there then it's not there and it's there anyways the pull-up that he does where he dribbles puts it in his left hand and basically goes into like a hezzy motion as he's about to it looks like he's about to drive and he pulls up that is directly from t-mac guys that's who i was thinking about when i tweeted that fair to say kd because what i realized after looking at it was a the reason the move brought up t-mac for me was because the wingspan that's really what it is he's got the super long arms t-mac also had a pretty long wingspan as well and so when he did that pull up it, it was yeah it looked like slender man basically you couldn't really tell what he was going to do so it looks exactly like t-mac but the thing that i noticed is a lot of a lot of people have pretty much borrowed that from mac because i saw DeRozan do it last night and kd has been doing it but i don't know there's something about ingrams that he does it a lot throughout the season there's something about his that looks exactly like max so i just had to bring that up i had to give a little bi love because he's in a tough place louisiana that brings us out of the surprising section into the wrap-up of the show we go g league tweets and then i just had to talk about 2k just a little bit just note in the g league uh luka samanich right now is balling if i am not mistaken this is the guy that the spurs cut because he in the preseason kind of walked back on defense there was possession against orlando and i think he was still trying to make the roster I, I think he turned it over or something happened the ball was turned over i think he just turned around and just kind of walked back and spurs were like all right that's that's enough we'll see you well he's in the g right now and he doesn't really seem like he belongs there i'm not gonna lie to you he's taking um damn near 20 shots a game it's at 45 percent six of those are are threes right now I'm not gonna lie, his three-point percentage is, is shockingly low from what I see on what I see on tape. Uh, but I think he's like the second leading scorer of the league right now. That three-point percentage really cannot be right from what I've seen. Honestly, none of this can be right. There we go. None of it is right because I'm not gonna lie to you, the G League website is just all over the place when it comes to stats. I'm sorry, y'all. 
none of that was right i i was about to say i i watched these i, I watched too much footage for that to be true here we go that man's three point percentage right now is 41 percent. boy man look because <laughs> i was like i i see this guy i watch him play and the three point percentage said 29 percent. i was like wait a minute I saw 21 points a game. I'm like, okay, that's not happening. No, he's averaging 28 right now. He's averaging 28 and 11, which is just and 90% from three. I mean, my bad, 90% from the free throw line, uh, 55% from the field. He's just like a created player out there. Uh, he's 6'10", so he's got size. He puts the ball on the floor. It's hard for me not to imagine. It's hard for me to imagine with the way he's playing, he's not going to get called up, especially with the Knicks are trying to, I mean, I, on one hand, I don't know, because the Knicks are already trying to figure out what to do with their offense. So even if he did get called up, he wouldn't be able to do nearly what he's doing on the on the uh, in the G League. As far as putting the ball on the floor, he would probably be relegated to catch and shoot. And they're trying to figure out so many roles right now. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it's it's everything right now. And it's so funny because this is a guy that in the NBA, he was probably like a, a generic when you looked on 2K. He's up to, he's damn near a 30 and 10 guy out here. Something about Lucas, man. Something about Lucas. Something about that last, that last, uh, the itch that goes at the end of the name. So something about that, bro. A call. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not sure as far as what a call up because it would be the Knicks and I'm not really sure the role he would play, but we'll see if he ever does get a legitimate role here. Cause sometimes like I watch these guys. I see the talent there and I just go, man, if if they were playing on a team where they could actually even try to do that for more than one possession, maybe there'd be something there. So don't don't expect a, a Luka Samanich versus Doncic finals or anything. I just wanted to put that in your ear since you're absolutely not watching the West Ch Westchester Knicks right now. But that's happening. Let's go to some tweets. I do just want to also point out. I might just say Scoot Henderson's name at the end of every G League section. I talked about him last week. It seems like a little bit of Twitter starting to catch on, but because he's 17 years old and he can't even go to the NBA till 2023, it's not hype yet. But just remember Scoot Henderson. That's I talked about him in detail last week. Just remember Scoot Henderson. That's a grown man at 17 years old coming into the league to a stadium near you about a year or so. I'll probably just mention it at the, every, at the end of this segment every time. All right, some tweets. First of all, if there was just an insane clutch points graphic, I'll save that. This one, the tweets could mean, honestly, I call it tweets, but just like when I did Twitter police, it could pretty much come from anywhere. YouTube comment section, Facebook. This one came from the YouTube comment section. It was funny because I talked about Curry last week in his, his 2020, uh, 2016 versus last season and now. And I guess he had one bad game. So I seen this comment that said, any true dubs and Curry fan knows 15-16 United Miss MVP season will always be unmatched. Curry had two games that entire year where he played poorly against Lakers and Spurs. Steph will be fine, but I just don't like the silly hot takes about how he's better now than 16. 16, he wasn't even human. I agree with you that stats of 16 will never be matched. But I think as a player, like as the player you're watching, I think he's grown past that. I think that's where, but obviously by numbers, there's so many unbreakable and unbeatable things that he did that year. It'll probably be hard to, that's why it was unanimous. It'll be hard to ever argue over that. But when you're watching him like last season, play how he played with the talent that he was given around him and Draymond Green not looking at the rim, 
that's where I say he's already got, he's shown that he's a better player than he was in 16. I think he, I, again, I would add this was, this was probably comparing Curry to himself. That's, that's, that's where we're at with Steph Curry, by the way, in case you were, in case you were wondering, we were at the point with Steph Curry of comparing him to himself as a point guard. Um, but yeah, no, at the point that like he was averaging 32 points a game efficiently, by the way, Last year is what I'm talking about. He's averaging 32 points a game efficiently, which was more than he did in 2016. With the space that he had and finishing, it wasn't just him chucking up threes, it was finishing as well. Taking as many shots as he did, he had to take more shots in 2016. Almost two more shots than he did. That's where I kind of say we've seen a better, we, we have seen a better version of Curry since then. But the season itself, again, Golden State was blessed with health all the way up until the, the end of the regular season. So guys... You know, weren't really out like that. They were able to just kind of run a system and in games, just snap of a finger. But I think we have seen better from him this season. Obviously, right now, that's that's the thing, though, about calling it. It's not a hot take. I think the hot take is like right now where he's, he's had a small slump. And he didn't start the he, he didn't start the season at his best either. But this comment comes during a slump, though, which was right after uh, a hot streak. So it's like up and down. But it's a different, it's a, it's a it's a whole different thing this year. He doesn't even have to be on the type of timing he was, <laughs> he was last year, um, unless somebody goes out. But yeah, I mean it doesn't help right now that do a quarter of this year. He's at forty four percent from the field. It is a little bit different, but I think we've seen a better Curry. Un, I cannot argue with it being last year. Like you, you can't. No numbers or anything will be able to convince me that 16 was better than what happened last year. You had to have him last year with his regular Warriors team. I don't know because who knows, right? It looks totally different because then he doesn't have to do the things that he did. Um, but I, I will say like that was his greatest season. He just had he almost willed that team to the playoffs. But yeah, that comment came out after we talked about it on the podcast league last week, so I wanted that to be in. There was a t- actually, there was this. There was a tweet where I agree with Ball Don't Stop. I know he says a lot of things that a lot of people don't agree with. That's why I say it like that. I even see some things where it's like, I don't necessarily agree with that. But he did say, how is Devin Booker not in the MVP race? People have a disrespectful tendency to get bored of bucket getters. It's far and away the most important thing in basketball and always has been. He was a win away from finals MVP because of it. Uh, aside from the the Hooper conversation that this will probably lead to or whatever, I again we talked about this last week. I, I realized listening back to the podcast where I <laughs> I basically said and answering Marcus Brownlee's question about Chris Paul being the MVP, I said it would be more likely to get uh get to Booker if it was to go to someone on the Suns. But then I realized after saying that, like, wait a minute, they're not rating him like that. He's not even in the race, and Chris Paul is fifth. So if it did, if the Suns did end up taking it, it's actually right now would be on track to go to Chris Paul and Booker would have a chance. You can argue whatever you want about Chris Paul and Devin Booker, best player, MVP of that team, whatever. I can't. Yeah, I agree with Baldo I can't believe he's not in the MVP race. He's having he before hamstring. He's having a magnificent season. I would say the best player on the Suns was him. Um, and what Chris Paul is killing from the mid range right now. Unassisted, by the way. Because obviously he can create with the ball. He doesn't really. He's the point guard. He don't need to be assisted a whole lot. So he is killing. But Book was just that. 
Okay. Maybe we're just going to him on back-to-back -back possessions or this play is broken down. Just go get us a bucket. He's been doing that and he's been doing that well so far. And so I don't know if it's just that there's so much talent right now. Because again, he's it's like I said last week, he's not going to win it. not going to get it over Giannis or Jokic probably or you know, anybody. But for him to not be in the race shocked me. Not even in the race shocked me. You, you got 40% from three right now. I'm pretty good volume too. Yeah, I agree. I agree with him. But also, I don't spend too much time on it just because, again, it's it's going to be between a couple of players at the end. It's going to be between that like really top tier, like super duper top tier, but not in the damn race. Tell you who's not in the race and who's not, as it stands right now, a top 10 player in the league through this first 20 something games James Harden and there was a tweet that said there was a tweet that said you gonna sit here and lie to my face and tell me I didn't there we go I was about to say I'm sorry but you cannot give this version of James Harden a max contract Ooh, that one hit us didn't we we don't forgot about that that Harden is actually approaching free agency I look up things that I know off the top of my head just because I don't want to like render a whole podcast and realized I said something confidently that was just factually wrong. It probably has happened, but I try to stop it from happening. Uh, looking at his his contract, he is about to be. Yeah. Yeah. 2122 is he has a player option that he's not really talked about yet. All he said was at the beginning was the same thing. Every player would say, I like it here. It's hard to see me leaving. But Kyrie don't sound like he gonna be able to play for a New York basketball team again with uh, with Optimus pulling up. And now it's Harden to still not looking as explosive to not playing well, but but what is another team out there going to give him? I still think if you're the Nets, it's probably one of those situations where it, like, let's say he finished the season like this, which I'm holding on to my stance. I don't think that he will. I'm I'm hanging on to that for dear life that he's not going to finish the season down bad. But if he did extrapolate out and he's still not shooting that good from three, not getting his fouls, he's not explosive. So he's basically relegated to playmaking. You give that a max. If you're the Nets, you can't count on Kyrie coming back. Uh, and you lose Harden. Now you're just left with KD and pieces, which is not ideal the way the NBA looks right now. So yeah, you're just kind of stuck because at worst case scenario, you finally trade Kyrie for some pieces to make this team fit a little bit better and make things easier on Harden to maybe to where maybe you don't necessarily need him to be like Houston Harden. He can still provide playmaking and score sometimes. But that is yeah, if he, if this really is him heading downhill though, it is food for thought. It is food for thought. But I don't think anything crazy like that's happening. I think one way or another Harden's going to get his money from somewhere. But I had totally forgotten that he is at the end of this contract, so did want to put that one out there. Last one is just this clutch points graphic, man. What the hell? 
the table clutch points put out a graphic about Carl Townsend's his mother. And he said, I know it's not good to eat, but it's a memento. That's one of the that's one of the last things she gave me. Carl Towns still has the cake his mother gave him in 2019. That is super duper sad. I, I really feel for that man. But this graphic has him sitting at a table, like a lunch table, with the cake. And his mother behind him glowing. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm gonna just leave that. I just put that in your ear. You've probably seen it. And clutch points normally it's like OD with the graphics, but what the hell with this? Just why? Somebody sat and actually put time into that and was like, this is it. <sighs> this week, I'm going to end the podcast by talking about 2K a little bit. Full disclosure. Oh, man, I'm so tired from this weekend and I have to get ready for a trip. I am going to LA at the end of this week on Thursday, flying out to LA to actually be on a 2K stream with, as I understand it, Alexis Morgan. Um... And then Paul George and Brianna Stewart are going to be there. And so that's cool. But I just say that to say. No matter what 2K I end up on, no matter what 2K work, like I work for their league this year, no matter where I end up or what I end up doing with 2K, it's not going to stop me from like talking about the game, how I want to talk about it. I've talked about it since forever now, and I've been playing it since 2K7, 2K. Eight. so it's pretty cool to get to actually work with them but it'll never stop me from like if i think a certain thing it'll never stop me from saying that certain thing that being said i dropped the video it's like one of the only 2k videos on the channel for this year at the beginning about how the launch how i liked the game me and my friends have been playing it they've made a lot of updates man they've made a lot of updates i am gonna start with the the bad though but just in general because i know it's been a while since y'all heard me talk about 2k i i have mostly enjoyed playing it with friends and i actually even enjoyed the play now online bit i just really hadn't had time but i actually yeah, i really enjoy playing play now online and i think that shooting is easy enough this year or easy enough once you pr- i say that like i me and kobe didn't play so many games this <laughs> that's why i got as good at shooting as i did because we played hundreds and hundreds of games um so i enjoyed the game but with this season reward this year, what in the hell? It started off cool. The go-kart, that was a practical thing. It's like, all right, I actually wanted the go-kart to get to level 40 so I could all have the skateboard or rollerblade around the, the city. Then in this season, like at level 30-something, you get a tricycle, which was also cool. I, I'd like the tricycle, whatever. It's cool. And maybe you don't think it's cool, but I thought it was cool. But the, the level 40 reward was the the skeleton and i was like uh, that's cool but i don't feel i don't feel good about playing the game all this time to go get a skeleton the go-kart was cool it was practical had me thinking it was gonna be something really worth spending my time on then they were just like here a skeleton which i assume you're gonna be able to buy eventually because they just put the go-karts on sale for four hundred thousand vc so if you happen to have 400k vc somewhere sitting around you can buy one go-kart. That's insane. I think it comes out to $100? US dollars? This season, the reward is an animated like Christmas outfit to go with season three being iced out. So it's, it's animated snowflakes that go from the hat to the shirt to the pants. All right, bro, come on now. That's the level 40 reward. It takes a lot of games to get to level 40, man. 
because I have time and me and Nikias and Kobe and whoever else, we get on and play a lot for hours. I don't notice how much we actually put into the game to get to level 40 when we did. I got it this season one. They hit level 40 the next season. I did not. I, I didn't um, play it enough. But yeah, this this outfit is a crazy level 40 reward. I'm not sure if the glider is still. I was told or I saw that a glider was going to be like the level 30 reward. So that's cool. I guess they're trying to make it more attainable for people. The cool stuff. But still, if you hit, if you do put the time in to hit level 40, first of all, if I want to hit level 40, there has to be something besides, at least for me, there has to be something besides legend behind it. I really want to feel like at the end of that season, I got something cool. That's insane. That isn't, ins that's an insane level 40 reward. I cannot believe whoever made that decision. I, I just, I just, <laughs> that's insane, bro. <laughs> but more importantly, whatever, if you don't play that, how about the patch? When I was making 2K videos on this channel, I made a video just absolutely roasting these kids that we played that were left, left, right spammers. Now, here's the thing about left, right. Since it's gone now, we can have some conversations about it. I, I think it's gone anyways. It, it was gone and then they dropped another patch. So I'm actually not sure what that one did. But the first patch nerfed the speed. So you couldn't just get a five foot build and run left and right and then eventually get a three once you finally get open i will say like we had a lot of success stopping those type of teams it was just hard because you can't you can't make one mistake against those builds there's all types of shooting badges shooting is already easier this year if you make one mistake on a left right five five foot build when they were able to boost like that it, you're getting greened it's happening but it was like those were the only teams we would ever lose to because Nikaias is a really smart player i'm a smart player kobe is a, he's a demon and so we would get on and run up eight games straight and be about to get the fireball and run in and then we run into the the typical park into three the left right guy the one that stands in the corner and the guy who comes up and sets the screen and it's we were just talking about it we stopped talking about it after a while because how much can you complain but I just felt like it was a really boring way to play the game and people complain about the game being boring, but then they get on and do that. It's the, it was the meta. I guess that's why 2K changed it because they realized the meta was complete bullshit. And we never played like that. We had the option to play like that, but we didn't. We got on and we ran an actual offense and screened for each other and found the open man. It was it's more fun than one of us just sitting in the corner. While somebody runs back and forth. So, but they are slow now those five foot builds if they didn't touch that they're dead we play but it also in the little sample size we had it made the game better which by the way oh man what is stage like now i gotta talk to kobe about that and, and the what is stage like now that left right is gone because stage was pretty much all of those five foot builds uh playing for vc that's what stage was you go in there and it's literally just somebody running left and right but you're playing for money at that point so i guess why not use the meta um what we got in wreck and we ran into what was essentially a program squad and they actually had to do things they, they had the five foot build but their shooting guard was now running around like ray allen and trying to get open actually doing things the point guard even um i guess a way to hack it is to use the misdirection move i know bear the beast he's a 2k pro player he put out the video on how to do misdirection uh dribbling it, it, it's, it's a fire move that's one of the ways you can kind of still get open off of it but yeah, it felt like I was playing against like an actual offense, which was way cooler and way more fun because it 
that might be one of the reasons I didn't play as much in season two, just because you knew when you play for hours, you're going to run into those squads. You're going to run into so many of them. It's just not as entertaining. Whatever. If you play like that, you play like that. But at a certain point, it's just not really entertaining to keep keep defending it. But like I said, as I know now, it's gone and people were mad. People were mad. I even saw some pros mad about it. Just insane to me. But I saw that. Then I saw a healthy amount of people that were like, thank God this bullshit is dead. <laughs> Where I stand on it. Thank God that bullshit is dead. We could have played like that. We could have left righted for hours and won every game, but it just wasn't fun to do. So we didn't. There's nothing. There's just nothing really good about it. So, yeah. That's what's happening with 2K. That's a little bit. I the selling go cards, level four reward, the patch. Left right has been infamous for a while. I don't know if it's because I play more park this year, but it, it was just really, really bad. And so many of those builds had it that I actually don't know what people are bringing to the park now, because I've only played once or twice since since the patch. Yeah, that's what's happening with 2K. But I'll be out there playing against paul george i'm not 100 clear on if i'm actually playing him or if he's playing brianna stewart and we're talking to him i'll be more clear on that tomorrow i think it'll be on the nba twitch channel or maybe it'll be on the 2k twitch channel there'll be more details with that well anyways this podcast is over please rate it accordingly on like apple Podcasts and spotify and you know hit the like on youtube or whatever been here for a couple of hours just shooting shits about basketball now i gotta put it all together I appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next week.